Hi, wherever you're listening to me, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakli and this is today's Tech Briefing. In this program, remember the customer, empathize with the customer, understand the customer, get into their brain, so to speak, right? Embrace the customer because a lot of times when you build products, you're sitting in your office and you're almost in a kind of a reality distortion field because all the people with you probably shared some of the same points of view. That's after these headlines. India's telecom ministry has advised people to not buy Starlink connections because the company doesn't have a license yet to sell its satellite internet connections in the country. Two months ago, Starlink, owned by Elon Musk, the world's richest person, announced it is starting in India and was taking bookings. The government of India has asked the company to comply with Indian regulatory framework for rendering the satellite-based communication services and refrain from booking slash rendering the satellite internet services in India with immediate effect, the Department of Telecom said in a tweet on Friday. Facebook, Twitter and other social media companies will have to hand over the names and details of the people behind any accounts used for trawling in Australia if a new defamation law is approved by the country's lawmakers, ABC News reports. Under the law proposed by Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison, social media companies will also be made legally liable for the content they publish from users, removing liability from individuals and companies that manage pages. The legislation will be released in draft form this week and is expected to be introduced in the Australian Parliament early next year, according to ABC News. Xiaomi one of the world's biggest Android smartphone makers, is building an electric car manufacturing factory in Beijing that will be capable of producing 300,000 cars a year, Reuters reports. The factory is to be built in two phases to be ready for mass production in 2024, according to the report. Slice, a fintech startup in Bangalore that wants to reinvent credit cards for Indian millennials, has raised $220 million in a new round of funding and turned unicorn in the process, TechCrunch reports. The Series B investment was co-led by Tiger Global and Insight Partners, and other investors, including Bloom Ventures, joined in. Slice also made news in October by starting a three-day work week for full-time employees. The story goes that Girish Matrabhutam, Freshworks founder, wasn't ready to relinquish the role of product head until he found Prakash Ramamurthy a bit under two years ago. And Girish himself spoke about this in an interview with Forbes India earlier this year. In today's interview, Prakash talks about how Freshworks stays relevant to its smallest customers, even as it adds bigger and bigger enterprises to its customer roster. Here's more. Okay. Uh, Prakash, welcome to this podcast. And uh, thank you so much for making time. Uh, fantastic to have you with us today. For uh, Of course, you are, you are a veteran technologist. Uh, and for people who are not familiar with your work, uh, Maybe you could give us a brief background about the path that brought you to Freshworks and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Hari, thanks for inviting me. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm, uh, as you probably know, uh, I'm the chief product officer here at uh, Freshworks. I've been here a little over two years. Uh, my background is across the board. I've done uh, uh, startups. Um, I've scaled up companies. Uh, I've worked in uh, enterprise uh, and consumer. My background is uh, quite varied across different sectors. I started off in chip design. Now I'm in uh, 
customer success, customer uh, support, and IT and, and sales and marketing automation. So uh, that's a brief background of myself. Okay. Uh, let's also talk a little bit of uh, what's been uh, in the news recently from uh, your company's point of view. Uh, you recently had your annual uh, refresh uh, event. I guess that's your flagship uh, event uh, every year. Uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, some of the most uh, significant uh, announcements you all might have made in the uh, the event. Uh, that's right. Um, refresh is our uh, uh, annual conference uh, where we get the pleasure of meeting uh, our customers. Um, anytime you meet uh, your customers, you, you learn how to uh, build products better. So for me, it is a very uh, it's a very, very productive experience there. Right? And, and we are fortunate that uh, we were even uh, as uh, we were running this conference in hybrid mode, uh, both online and uh, uh, physical event, uh, there were 250 plus uh, participants uh, in there in Las Vegas. So I got to interact with uh, quite a few of our customers. Uh, and uh, when a customer says that, hey, your product is helping me make my life better, uh, I can't ask for anything else, uh, right? So uh, from that sense, I came out super energized uh, out of the conference. Um, in terms of announcements, we did do a couple of announcements. Uh, the first thing was in uh, in our ITSM product, uh, Fresh Service, uh, we introduced uh, newer capabilities uh, where it we make it easy for uh, our customers who have um, uh, applications to be able to uh, monitor it uh, and solve uh, any issues that come up uh, or even anticipate issues that might come up uh, uh, in a very effective manner, right? Because if you look at it, every business is in this software business today. You know, you see what I mean? Every business has some applications that they have built and they're running and they are under a lot of uh, stress to keep up the SLA to keep it running all the time. So how do you, uh, how do you help them with that? Uh, when there is a problem, how do you help them bring the right people uh, uh, together with the right information so they can quickly solve it? So that entire category of IT operations management or ITOM as they call it, uh, we introduced uh, new capabilities there. And so that was a, a pretty big announcement for us for our fresh service product. Uh, I'll, I mean, uh, I don't know, Harry, I don't know how much your users know about uh, Freshworks. Uh, just, if you were to quickly back up for a minute, um, one of the uh, things we say is, is, which is our products are easy to use and you can quickly get it up and running and your cost of uh, uh, ownership will be very, very low, right? So those are our key ethos. So when we build capabilities, we need to make sure that we continue to focus on making it easy to use. Um, so. All the things that I mentioned so far extends the same uh, ethos we have in first service, but into newer markets where we can now go, uh, you know, be of use to the head of engineering and the head of DevOps uh, along with the CIO. So that is a new set of capabilities we announced in the uh, fresh service product line or ITSM uh, tool uh, solution. And the other thing we did was this whole thing around um, uh, fresh tag, right? Um, uh, I'll give you a little bit of context to that, which is um, as as Freshworks went has gone through its uh, journey, uh, we have built uh, products which we think is useful for us, right? Uh, first, uh, so everything we build, we try to use, 
And anytime as we are growing, as we found problem areas where whether it is uh, managing uh, our high velocity sales team um, or, or um, uh, you know, uh, internal help desk, so on and so forth, any place where we felt uh, there was a pain point, we build solutions around it. So um, uh, our founder, uh, Girish, uh, does a lot of work uh, uh, around mentoring um, startups uh, and helping them scale. I think he's one of the founders of the SaaS Boomi uh, initiative in, in India. And what we thought we will do is, uh, you know, all the things that we use every day to build and grow and scale our company, why not make it available for startups? So that's where we introduced our uh, fresh tag uh, CRM solution, where we took all of our uh, support, sales, and marketing automation capabilities, and uh, we have made it available as a program uh, for startups. So that's one of the other announcements that we made uh, at, at Refresh. Okay, uh, so staying on the theme of uh, products and how they are built and how they should be built. Uh, and as you know, leading up to the IPO, uh, Girish uh, told us a lot about uh, the whole idea of product-led uh, growth. Uh, maybe you could give us uh, a brief uh, snapshot of how this concept or model uh, came about and uh, you know, uh, give us a sense of why it's uh, significant. Yeah, sure. Um, so just to... Um uh, contrast, I'll give you a quick 30-second uh, history on this, uh, on uh, software buying, uh, right, if you're, if you're okay with that. Absolutely. So uh, way back when, um, uh, the primary uh, person who bought software was the uh, CIO, uh, right? And they, they buy software, uh, going back to on-premise, um, you had to buy software, then you buy hardware, then you had to get somebody to come and deploy it, and the whole process took uh, many, many months, if not uh, years sometimes. Right. And there's a lot of, lot of work that goes into it, uh, to buying and deploying software. And then you, uh, train the users and so on and so forth. So that's, that, that's how it started. And that was primarily, uh, as what I would call, um, sales driven or sales led, right? Uh, where the sales rep, uh, calls on the, uh, CIO, uh, makes them comfortable. And, and then the buying process happens. Uh, then when, 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 uh, the legacy, I mean, the, what I call legacy cloud or the cloud at that time uh, came about. Um, you didn't really need to buy machines and stuff like that. It was all in the cloud. It could be easily provisioned uh, to get you up and running, uh, which meant there was new classes of buyers. Uh, the the, uh, the CRO or the CMO uh, could go buy things because there was really no hardware to be bought. And uh, if they had buying power, which they did and budget, they could go do that. Uh, right. So, uh, and, and those folks, uh, primarily got that information, uh, from all the marketing initiatives that happen. You know, you'd see huge, sometimes billboards in airports and, and all the other places uh, telling them about new things. And if, if a CRO is traveling, it catches their eye. Uh, they decide, Oh, let me try this. Uh, so even that, uh, the buyer changed in that, but the, the process of, uh, uh, you know, road decision making and deploying, uh, still, uh, was top down driven, right? This time it happens to be a different person at the top, not the CIO, but the CRO, right? And, um, uh, people used to call it shadow IT and a whole bunch of stuff. But in essence, there was a different buyer who was doing it. The one common thing about both of those two things is nobody really cared about the rank and file employee or the end user who actually has to use the product on a daily basis, right? They were told, this is the product, here's your laptop or here's your desktop, 
please go do your work. But uh, product-led growth is all about changing all of that on its head, which is uh, end of the day, people who use it need to be the ones who are the primary advocates of a product. So that is the basic premise of product-led growth. It is it is bottoms up uh, adoption and growth as opposed to a top-down edict. When it's bottoms up adoption and growth, uh, it happens because people feel happy about using the product, uh, right? So, uh, for example, uh, the Two of the three pillars of, who, of what we sell, whether it's customer support or internal IT help desk, right? Uh, let's take customer support for a minute. The people who use our products the most, who spend the most amount of time, are the support agents. Uh, Harry, I do not know how many times in your life you are called into a customer support uh, uh, phone number or chatted with a customer support uh, agent just to tell them what a great job they're doing, right? I don't know if you've ever done that. I, I rarely do that. The only time we call into customer support is when we have a problem, right? We have some form of anxiety, anger, or distress, right? That's when we call into support. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, sure, yeah. Right, so if I am an agent on the other side, every interaction that I have is with somebody uh, with that mindset, right? So I already am under a lot of pressure uh, to solve these problems. The last thing I want is the tools that I use make the situation even worse. So we think a lot about how, how do we make the life of our end user, the agents, easier? What is it that we need to do? What, how can we bring the right information to them at the right time and give them the right set of actions so that they can quickly do their jobs and most importantly, do it in a way where they feel good about the solution that helps them solve the customer's problem so that when the customer feels happy uh, that and satisfied, it gives them immense uh, satisfaction with their work. Right? So that means they will go tell the next person, hey, use Freshworks. So that is what product-led growth means, which is uh, allowing our uh, end customers to quickly discover our product, automatically sign up, show them the right set of features that they can use so that they start seeing value. And then as they scale, they will tell more people about it. So it is a bottoms up uh, motion of actually spending the time delighting the real people who use their products as opposed to a top down, you know, a mandate or kind of an edict driven uh, uh, sales process, right? So that is, that is the primary difference in product led growth. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of that uh, in your daily life as well, right? So there's a lot of companies. It's not just Freshworks. There's a lot of other companies who do a good job of that as well. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, of course, uh, even in professional life these days, uh, there's an increasing number of uh, software that people use. And I've come across some of those. Uh, for example, I use Descript. Um, yeah, I think they do an awesome job of uh, doing product-led uh, you know, sales. Uh, so I guess based on what you're saying, in a sort of common sense way, uh, I, I get a basic understanding of uh, what you all are talking about with your uh, customer for life uh, idea. But I also want to know, uh, is customer for life also a technology platform separately that you all are working on, uh, that you have? Or is it uh, a some sort of uh, uh, combination of all the different fresh uh, products that you have? Uh, 
Tell us a little bit about that. All right. Um, it's it's both. Uh, but just before going to that, the fact that you said Descript, right, uh, Hari, that is product-led growth. Right? Here we are in a in a podcast uh, and you're voluntarily talking about a, a product uh, because you really like it because it's impacting you positively in your daily life, right? So that is a good example of product-led mm-hmm. growth. You see what I mean? Because uh, the people who are now listening to your podcast not only uh, 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 listen to the product-led growth, but they uh, heard about a new product. You see what I mean? Uh, so that's a good example. Uh, that's a good example of that. Uh, so now to go back to uh, customer uh, for life or customer 360, it's a combination of both our Neo platform, which powers our products, uh, and bringing in our uh, um, uh, marketing, sales, and support solutions all together so that uh, it is easy uh, for the people who use your product to get a full view of the customer. I'll give you a, a quick example of that. If I'm a, a salesperson, I'm trying to call into an existing customer to see if I can, if I can do an upsell. Right? I mean, uh, every company does that. We do that. Uh, we have um, uh, different plans. We have additional products. Uh, so if we know if a customer is satisfied, we want them to, uh, to tell them more about our products. And those customers also want to hear from uh, companies like us. But when I'm just about, I'm going to call that customer, uh, as a salesperson, it will be very useful for me to know what outstanding support tickets that the customer might have, right? What is the customer health score? Are there any pending invoices? Uh, and so on and so forth. Right? So there are various elements of a customer's uh, information that might be in various systems. And today, if you look at it, a lot of these software are siloed. Uh, they take It's almost like a, a, a blind man feeling the elephant uh, kind of a, a metaphor, right? Because they're all dispersed in various systems. And then you have to get a system integrator or somebody to come and pull it all together. So what we are trying to say is, Hey, we'll pull all of this data in one 360-degree view of a customer so that if I'm going to call on the customer, I have all of the data, right? It is a fairly straightforward uh, business problem. It's amazing uh, how uh, people don't solve for that, and that's what we are trying to solve for. And we have our platform that will help us bring in all the data and we have some of our solutions like uh, our support product, fresh desk, our sales product, fresh sales, our marketing product, fresh marketer, feeding in all the data. But we also pull in data from uh, third-party billing systems uh, or even you know uh, ERP systems so that we can show a complete view of our customer. So that is our vision of customer 360. Hmm. I wanted to ask about uh, how as Freshworks uh, grows you know, bigger and bigger, you, you keep track of the needs of uh, all kinds of different customers. And uh, one of the things that someone pointed out that caught my attention was uh, the growth in the number of customers who are paying like $50,000 uh, and uh, the growth in the number of customers who are paying $5,000. And, and, and I've, you know, I understand that uh, uh, right up until you joined the company, Girish was uh, holding on to the you know, product development or chief product officer's uh, job uh, with himself. Uh, and kind of kind of relinquished it to you. So, give us a sense of the product strategy that you've kind of envisioned and you know uh, implemented in the company uh, that would ensure that increasingly bigger enterprises, uh, you know, would use your products, but you would continue to remain relevant and uh, user friendly 
uh, for your smallest customers? That's a great question, uh, uh, Harry. Uh, one of the common themes uh, you will hear uh, is this, whether, whether it's small or big, uh, some of the uh, pain points that we hear from our customers are very similar, which is, hey, I want to be able to... Uh, uh, I want to be able to quickly solve my problems uh, on a daily basis. I want I want to be able to automate as much as I can, uh, right? So some of the uh, things that we hear, I want the product to be intuitive. Uh, um, those are the things that we constantly hear across the board. So um, what we try to do is, is, which is like you said, we have two constituents, right? We have the uh, SMB uh, uh, constituent and also the uh, the mid-market, all right? Um, bigger companies. Uh, our goal is to uh, make sure that two things. Uh, one, we want to build only the right set of capabilities. In fact, the hardest thing at Freshworks is to... Uh, be comfortable in saying, this is a capability we won't build. Uh, you see what I mean? So that we are not building uh, um, one-off uh, solutions that will com complicate the product, right? So that's that's one thing we constantly talk about. Uh, but what we do here is this, which is we have various plans, pricing plans that are available. And we use that to surface the right capability for the right size of the business. For example, uh, you know, we have... Uh, growth plans, which typically appeal to the uh, small business. Then we have pro and enterprise that appeal to uh, our mid-market customers. Um, so what that allows us to do is to, to hide capabilities that are not relevant uh, for this class of users. So we still, I want the uh, one or two agent SMB have the same experience that a thousand agent mid-market customer has. How do we how do we do that? We you know we make sure we only surface the right capabilities for those right customers. So that is that is our challenge. That's what makes us unique, and that's also what makes us successful. Uh, and, and that's how we go about it. We are we are scaling. Our products can scale. Uh, some of our customers uh, are really really big, and and they scale. Uh, but if I'm one or two custom, one or two agents, and I want to quickly get something done, uh, we make sure they can do that as well, just as easily. Uh, so we do that by two things, right? Just finding the right set of capabilities to build, so we don't build all things for all people uh, and overwhelm the uh, product. And we also make sure that we only surface the right capabilities for the right uh business based on what they want to do and what problems they're trying to solve which might vary across the size of the business okay uh one question which is uh, kind of becoming a standard question in in, in many tech conversations these days uh, and i'm referring to uh, the use of ai and uh, i was thinking of course people talk about building ai capabilities uh, into their products but i want to ask you about what might be the role of ai in building a product itself uh, today? I mean, I don't know, maybe it allows you to uh, simulate various scenarios and so on. Uh, just tell us about what are some of the early trends that uh, folks like you are uh, looking at when it comes to building products and using AI to uh, do a better job of that. See, from, from our customer perspective, um, our customers don't typically ask us for 
AI, right? The customers still want us to uh, uh, help solve their problem. So it is up to us to pick which pieces where we will use uh, machine learning and uh, AI uh, to make that more uh, effective. Uh, so uh, what we do is uh, we we have purpose-built AI uh, solutions, right? We make it, uh, for, for example, uh, we, I started off the meeting talking about our fresh service uh, uh, announcement, right? So uh, when there are hundreds and thousands of alerts that are coming in, uh, how do we use intelligence uh, uh, to pick just the right ones to surface to uh, the engineers so they can go quickly fix it? Uh, that needs uh, smartness. Uh, that needs intelligence. So uh, for us, uh, AI ML is a critical investment, um, but it is meant to augment uh, the uh, the user experience and um, we focus on uh, solutioning AI as opposed to just providing uh, toolkits for that. Uh, and also internally, for example, when we look at product-led growth and we look at, uh, hey, what, what features should a customer use within the first 30 days that will make them stay versus, uh, you know, uh, what, where if they end up in a certain place that makes them churn, we run a lot of uh, analysis on it, right? We try to model our customers. So we use uh, AI ML internally as well to drive some of our PLG efforts. Uh, but we also use AI uh, to enhance our core capabilities so that our end users can do their jobs uh, better. So we use it in both places. All right. From a uh, product development perspective, uh, and when it comes to the availability of uh, really good product managers, uh, where would you place uh, the Indian startup ecosystem on its uh, maturity curve today? Um Look, I got a lot more exposure to the Indian startup system um, when I joined Freshworks. Uh, I'm simply amazed uh, by the uh, by the level of uh, talent and the level of uh, awareness of how to solve for problems. Uh, I I do think we are we are in the early stages, but as we see these funding for startups grow at the scale we are we are growing. Um, uh, we are going to be a force to reckon in India in, from uh, from a uh, as a product building nation, and I cannot tell you how uh, bullish I am about it. What what advice uh, would you have uh, for for aspiring product managers? Remember the customer, empathize with the customer, understand the customer, get into their brain, so to speak. Right, embrace the customer because. A lot of times when you build products, you're sitting in your office and you're almost in a kind of a reality distortion field because all the people with you probably share uh, some of the same uh, points of view. Uh, and if you spend just enough time within your within your team and your colleagues, you will lose track of the fact that why you are in business, which is to solve customer problems. And a lot of times... Um, the best learning happens when you listen to the customers, empathize with them, and actually use the products that you build aggressively, uh, and put yourself in the in the shoes of a uh, of your uh, customer. I know it's a cliche to say that, but good product managers really, really soak that in, and and do it, and that's how they fix little things. Uh, a great product experience is a ton of little things done right with a lot of care. It is not one big needle moving thing, right? That, well, that's what gives 
uh, people using your product, a smile on their face, and that's what a product manager should strive for. Okay, excellent. Uh, very insightful conversation, uh, Prakash. Uh, thank you so much for making time for this. And, uh, really appreciate it, and I definitely hope to keep the conversation going. Yeah, my pleasure. I appreciate you inviting me here, Harry. Good talking to you. That was Prakash Ramamurthy. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Thank you for listening.